This episode of Live in Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions. This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger. My guest today is Ralph Smithers Jr. Ralph is the diversity, equity, inclusion, and community relations leader for Incova Insurance. Incova provides workers' compensation and other commercial insurance, as well as auto, home, and life insurance for individuals. Incova employs about 1,200 associates and serves clients in 29 states. The company is based in Columbus, Ohio, and Ralph is a dear friend of mine going back several years. Ralph, welcome to the show. I am so glad to have you. It is an absolute pleasure to be here, Amy. Thank you so much. So I'm curious because I know you've been in your role for several years now, and let's be frank, the insurance industry is not on the, always on the cutting edge of progress in terms of how we manage, how companies get managed. Let's just, I think that's fair to say. So when Encova started this work or as they continue this work, what drives the need for this at Encova? What are the, what's the why behind sure. diversity and inclusion in Encova? Thanks. Thanks for saying that, Amy. And I'm glad you said that. I, I was thinking it, but you said it. And I think the reality is, is that in order for our company to have a future-ready workforce that is ready to respond to the dramatically changing demographics in our country, where we are expected to become majority-minority in our country by 2042. And every time someone does more research, it gets sooner. It was 2045 when I first started looking at that. When you consider that Generation Z is already majority-minority, so your fresh talent pool is um, going to look a lot different than, say, 20 years ago or however long you want to go back, maybe even not that long. It becomes urgent to make sure that we are positioning ourselves so we can not only have a future-ready workforce, but to be able to relate to our customers. Um, even if our colleagues don't reflect the diversity of all the communities we're in, our customers will and have a, a good um, foundation to be able to talk to our customers, relate to them, respond to their needs, respect whatever sensibilities they have as far as making that important transaction, then we're going to have trouble in the future. You know, that is so true. And that's one of the reasons that I tell companies, you can't really sit on this any longer. This is an urgent need now. And I know from the, talking to you before that Encoba has some key performance indicators around this, around what you want your workforce to look like act and behave. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you're measuring success in this area? For some people, I think it can feel squishy or intangible. 
Sure. And there's certainly a lot of intangibles in this, but I would say that the, the, the driving objective that I've always looked at facing this work is to make sure that our workforce reflects the diversity of the communities we serve. Now, we have offices and places that aren't very diverse, so we, we can't have unrealistic expectations about uh, what we can do there. But here in Columbus, we are the fastest growing metropolitan area and city in the region. Columbus has been the largest city in Ohio for years, but our metropolitan area is about to take over. And that's coming at the expense of other parts of the state. And the one thing that's really interesting, we're expecting in Columbus to have an increase in our population of 1 million by 2050, which isn't that far away. It's abstract. I can go back that far in my career, and I was in, in the workforce for a few years, so it's abstract, but it's really not that far out. But we in Columbus, we have seen upwards of 82% of the new people coming to Columbus being born outside of the United States. So that's our talent. And I used to uh, say this, especially to our the CEO that was present when I was first came into this role. If we are in the fastest growing city in our largest state, we really have to be dialed in uh, to all this because I believe nowadays in insurance and, and being an insurance industry veteran yourself, you understand that when things start going bad, we start looking at our loss ratio, we start looking at our underwriting, we start looking at our marketing, we start looking at all those traditional factors to see you know, how things are going. But I am convinced that in our industry, as well as all industries, that DE&I is going to be another diagnostic if a company is not performing as it should be. Because if you don't have the talent, if you can't get access to talent, if you can't appeal to the customers that are out there, then you're going to start to falter. And I think DE&I is going to be a diagnostic that's going to go right up there with all the other financials. I completely agree with you. I think that this is so important. And I know that in the past, there's been a lot of stigma around words like quotas, but what we're talking about isn't quotas so much as representation and making sure that the inside of your company matches the outside of your company so you can continue to do business. And I think when we focus on numbers, but we, we track the numbers, but we focus on why those numbers are important, we can probably bridge those gaps a little bit uh, faster, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I get I had a chance to talk to a group earlier this week and, and got to make a few points. Uh, first of all, uh, here in Ohio, for the first time in recorded history, we had a higher death rate than birth rate. So trends are accelerating. That's the first time that's ever happened in Ohio, and it's happened in a few other states as well. So I always stress that uh, and especially when that question about quotas comes up, because it, it does come up. That's the association that a lot of people have about this work. And I just stress that one, diversity, equity, and inclusion benefits everyone. And it's not a matter of or, it's a matter of more. No one is going to get displaced. Population changes and birth rates are, are taking care of that. A lot of what's been driving the great resignation, I don't know this for sure, but I, I've seen a few things that suggest that the uh, baby boomers moving into retirement has been a big 
factor in this. And that's something that I know I was looking at some of our data five years ago and knew it was going to be pretty dramatic. So no one is going to get displaced. It's going to be a matter of having to deal with, you know, the, the available talent and the available customers. And, and if you don't choose to respond to that, then, you know, you might have trouble. Yeah, there is so much opportunity, not just in the insurance industry, in a lot of industries, there is so much opportunity to go around. And really, it's not about people fighting over jobs. It's about companies fighting for people right now, especially. And I know one of the things that you've done, retaining employees is so important when you're talking about a tight labor market. One of the things that Encova has done has been to launch employee resource groups. You guys did that about four or five years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if that has helped with your retention and how that has played into your success at Encova. Yeah, our resource groups at Encova are the heartbeat of our DEI efforts. Being a department of one, I really lean uh, on our leaders to, to help. And they do. It, it's a labor, it's a passion play, it's a labor of love. And I'll tell you what, I've heard this many times, many times, where I've had people say, being part of this group is what gets me up in the morning. It's it's what keeps me here. They, they look for with the resource before resource groups, you tended to only connect with people in your immediate department and maybe a handful of stakeholders outside of your immediate work group. Whereas this has helped people, especially when you consider that we have certain populations that are so underrepresented. This has allowed connections to occur across our enterprise. And we're really spread out. We're more spread out than ever. We only have maybe a third of our population here in Columbus and maybe another less than a third um, in Charleston, West Virginia. And then when you start spreading out, when you're claims adjusters, marketing folks, all of the other people that make an insurance operation go, we are really spread out. So even those department level connections, especially with COVID, are, are not quite the same as they, they used to be. But the resource group connections are drawing people together. People are finding a higher purpose oftentimes in the work and the experiences that they get. And uh, ultimately, I think it contributes to allowing people to find a way to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And yes. So all of that success that you've had with those employee resource groups, was that what you anticipated would happen? Like, what was the goal when you started them to begin with? Because again, you were ahead of the curve on this, especially in your industry. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to give you a shout out, Amy. I, I Before I came into this uh, space, I, I was a full-blown hardcore insurance person. I'm a chartered property casualty underwriter, among other uh, titles and designations. And I remember when we were really trying to get this off the ground, there was this great article in CPCU magazine written by none other than Amy Weiniger about resource groups, what their purpose is, how they're structured, what they're intended to do. And that turned out to be such a helpful resource for me to help communicate what we were trying to do, both for our associates who really had no idea and our leadership. So I did want to give you a, a shout out for that. So thank you. So the goals that, that we have, we I consulted with any person that did this work who would have lunch with me or coffee. I bought a lot of coffee and bought a lot of lunch, most of it out of my own pocket to really learn and pick brains from anyone who would sit down and talk with me. And uh, we established a high level 
pillars of what we would we're hoping to charter our resource groups around. And I'll give a shout out to Honda. We actually uh, have a big Honda plant not too far away, and they actually had a model that we mostly adopted our plan from. And the goal was is that we didn't want to have this not a club. We we didn't want to have clubs. Don't really have. We wanted our groups to serve the business. So we we wanted to create networking was one objective. And I'm going to try to make sure I remember all this networking, service to the community, professional development. And I can't remember the third off the top of my head, but I'm going to remember it as soon as we're done, I'm sure. But personal professional development, networking, service to the community, and also, I guess the other one, I just remembered what it was, contributing to the business operation. So an example of that is we had the National Urban League Conference here back in 2018, right when we were first launching our resource groups. And we had members of our African-American resource group accompany our talent acquisition team to the Urban League Expo so that folks can speak to their own experience about the company and be able to help those that are trying to figure out if insurance is something that they want to do, maybe get a friendly face and maybe someone they might be able to relate to. Countless examples um, of that. Our LGBTQ group has been instrumental in uh, helping us um, review and get some of our policies changed to help us uh, increase our corporate equality index score. We've had our working parents group has done things like having a virtual graduation ceremony to help recognize our, our, our young people, our young stakeholders who are parents of our associate, or I'm sorry, the, the kids of our associates when COVID shut down all the graduation ceremonies. So you go through all those different things. They've definitely added a lot of uh, texture and quality networking and overall sense of belongingness. I think that's all fantastic. I, I love the connection that you make. And I know your role is specifically focused, not just internally, but also on community relations and community impact from within Encoba. And I noticed too, because I follow you on social media and I follow pretty closely my insurance friends, people are taking notice of this outside of Encoba. I have seen your picture on, I don't know how many stages recently, holding different trophies and awards and plaques and certificates of excellence. And I was wondering if you can tell us just a little about, I think you got one just this last week, didn't you? Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Amy, I appreciate that. First thing I'll say is, is that I, I've been very fortunate, very blessed. I, I've been able to be recognized uh, for different things. And sometimes it's like getting a purple heart. You get the recognition, but when you look at all the blood and sweat and tears that went into it, flip a coin. I'm glad to be recognized, but boy, I've got marks to uh, show what that was all about. I've had a couple, I'll share some of them have a little more meaning to me. I was actually uh, recognized as an outstanding diversity champion by Columbus Business First. This is three years ago now. And the folks that nominated me for that were from our LGBTQ resource group and uh, helping move some policies along that made a huge impact on our uh, corporate equality index score, as well as just the overall quality life of our company. And that was hard. That, that was really hard. It wasn't as if uh, everything was going my way 
on that. And like that one was almost like a purple heart in some ways where I felt like I suffered a little bit, but we were being recognized was amazing. I also, and this is another one that means a lot to me. I just recently got recognized by Ohio State, by the Office of Diversity and Inclusion at Ohio State. I think it was outstanding or distinguished community volunteer. I, I think that's what it says. Forgive me. I actually uh, received scholarships from the Ohio State Office of Diversity and Inclusion when I was a student. I was a pioneer in that respect, such that most of my school was paid for. And I have, ever since that time, I was one of those students that they say C's get degrees, and I relate to that a little bit. And I was a student who just barely qualified for the, uh, the program that I was in. And they gave me the, the scholarship, and that scholarship actually grew over my uh, time in school such that I was able to graduate debt-free and just completely appreciate that blessing. So I made a commitment as a 20-something. It says, one day, I'm going to pay all this back with interest. And um, a friend of mine launched a scholarship called the Bucking the Trend Scholarship at Ohio State that was focused towards African-American males to uh, help buck the trend of African-American males not graduating from college. We didn't want to see anyone not make it through school because they didn't have the resources. So we started um, pulling our own resources together. About 10 years ago, I was invited to participate in that. And we not only have provided over $20,000 worth of scholarships, largely out of our own pockets, but we've also connected with the students. And we tell them all the time, we, we you know, instead of just handing them a check, we, we might have lunch or a gathering, we might connect on LinkedIn or, or what have you. And we tell them all the time that the scholarship is nice. And it's something that's going to really help you out right now. But what we like to try to do is do some networking with you. And that network is going to be worth many times more uh, than your scholarship is so that so I got recognized uh, for kind of my work in that a couple of weeks ago. I've also been recognized as a uh, as an ad, outstanding advocate from the Ohio Minority Supplier Development Council. That meant a lot, trying to move that along. And supplier diversity is a little bit outside of my regular lane, but I want to make sure that we're trying to make an impact there with that. And then also the, the company has been recognized for some other, other things around the community, certainly that I had a, had a big part in. So I'm really proud of that. But most importantly to me is the results. The awards are nice, but the outcomes are better. Absolutely. And I think it's nice when people notice the outcomes, right? To me, the awards are about somebody noticed the outcomes. And when you have that kind of an impact repeatedly in your community, people are bound to notice the impact that you're having. And I'm so, I'm always happy to see people recognized for their work. I'm going to be selfish and admit I'm extra happy when it's people that I know. So oh, just you. know that every time I see you holding one of those awards, it just, it warms my heart and it makes me smile and it makes me proud to be um, associated with somebody who's doing such amazing. Work. I feel the same. My biggest reward is getting, getting to have a conversation with you. That definitely goes both ways. And I will say this, a lot of the work is thankless. Usually when you're out there, you're having to extend yourself a little bit. You're putting your neck out there. Usually a lot of times you only hear about something if it goes wrong. You're taking a big risk. You might be spending so much time on something that might be outside of your core work duties that maybe 
you don't respond to an email or you miss something in the office. And that's the ongoing risk. But to your point, it, it is quite a blessing to, to, to be noticed. And I don't do anything for that purpose. But when, when you are noticed, it, it means a lot. So I, I appreciate you asking about that. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm glad to. Now, your work, I, I know you've got big plans for Encova, but I wanted to talk about, as we, as we think toward the future, you're involved as an advisor to the Columbus Partnership, and that's a, an association of Central Ohio CEOs. And I know that you've got some big plans there, too. Can you tell us a little bit about what's next, not just for Encova, but also for Columbus? Sure. So I'm one of several advisors that are both from the uh, corporate and the nonprofit community to help talk to our leaders about formulating a strategy here in Central Ohio to make diversity, equity, and inclusion a regional economic advantage. And it's very exciting because the partnership has a tremendous track record of getting things, big things. Our most recent initiative was called Smart Columbus to try to get more ready for electric vehicles and things like that. So everywhere you go, you see a place to plug in an electric car and you see a lot of things getting ready. So the partnership is looking at trying to do the same thing in uh, DE&I. And this was just reported in our Columbus Dispatch in our newspaper earlier this week, so I could certainly uh, share it. But there have been some of the brightest minds in the world uh, doing research on this. And most exciting things that we have going on in Columbus right now is that Intel is building a new plant um, here in central Ohio, which is expected to bring $10 billion worth of economic benefit. Uh, to the region. Everyone's all dialed in, ready, very excited about Intel and and what that means with the chip shortages and everything. It's going to help a lot of things out. But the study that was done suggested that if we can reach a state of equity, particularly with African Americans, with the efforts that are underway, that we could realize a new Intel plant every year is, is, is the equivalent benefit. So $10 billion a year of the economic impact to our region. So it's really cool to be able to be in the room to see where all these uh, deliberations and research and discussions are occurring and to see that kind of get translated into that kind of economic result is uh, very exciting. And Columbus is going to try to do its best to take the lead in that so that we can be a thriving, exciting place to live. I think that's incredible. And I want to say this another way, if I may, because I don't want this to get lost on anyone in case they they didn't make this logical jump. If building equity in Columbus for the African-American community will generate $10 billion of impact every year, then the reverse of that is the inequity in place right now is costing the community $10 billion per year until that goes away. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. In fact, I would argue that it might even be higher because the $10 billion is presumed to be an ROI that comes in the form of higher compensation and those sorts of things. I don't know exactly what they studied. If you look at all the other issues that are prevalent, whether it be we have opioid challenges, we have infant mortality challenges, you start looking at the stresses that go on the healthcare system. It's quite possible. In fact, I I don't know this for sure, but I believe that we'll probably, if we dug into it, would find out that we're probably being weighed down more than that. 
just because of all the other bad things that, that happen when equity does not exist. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're always asked, I think as diversity and inclusion professionals, we're always asked for a business case around why we want to change something. And I always want to ask in response. I don't usually because I don't want people to think that I'm a smart aleck, but I always want people to to tell me what's the business case for doing it the way we've always done it. What's the business case for staying in this place? And when we look at an area like Columbus, where we're seeing the economic drain of the status quo is 10 billion plus per year. The business case for change writes itself. We don't need to make a case for it. We can just say, look, (laughs) you're spending billions of dollars unnecessarily and, and not just unnecessarily, but to your own detriment. And I just, I feel like this is such important work that needs to be done. And the way you're doing this in, in collaboration and in partnership with your region and not just within your own company, I think is both commendable and smart and necessary, but also in many ways revolutionary, because I don't know that a lot of mid-sized companies in mid-sized cities are thinking this way. And so thank you, Ralph, really for the work that you do, for the impact that you're having. And thank you for being on Including You. I'm so glad to see you again. It was an absolute pleasure, Amy, and I'm a huge fan of yours. I, every time you do a live stream on LinkedIn, every time I can, with, when I'm available, I'm trying to trying to log in and, and make sure I see that and really appreciate making sure that we push that business case because there, there's skeptics out there, and especially in the corporate world, we're, we're motivated by bottom line results and having been a finance major and having that mindset, it's really cool to be a part of that and and be able to relay some of those things I've been able to learn uh, through this journey. So thank you. Absolutely. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for including you video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern, including you can also be enjoyed each week as part of the living corporate audio podcast series available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this episode of Including You. My name is Amy C. Wanninger, and I hope you'll join me next week when my guest will be Kira Kimball from Marsh McLennan Agency. When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone.